Have you ever been in a situation where you said something and then you were quickly corrected saying it wasn't what you said, but it was how you said it? Now, if you're a guy, you know this all too well. Well, today's episode, we're going to dive into copywriting, the do's and don'ts, what you should look for when hiring a copywriter, and all the points in between. It's going to be a great episode. Stay tuned. Let's get started. Welcome to the Content Amplification Podcast, where you will gain insight into real-life tactical and strategic elements to help you scale and grow your business. Now, let's get started with today's episode. Welcome to this episode of the Content Amplification Podcast. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about copywriting, you know, that thing that we, we all really don't know how to do exactly as well as other people know how to do it, or at least we think we don't. And today's guest is Carmen Mastro Piero. He is a professional copywriter based in Toronto. Thank you for being on the show. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. So this, like you heard in the, the opening copy, you know, every time I'm talking to, to different clients, whether it's a website project or social media, or even they want to start to put out, you know, an ebook. And I say the word, you know, how are you with writing your own copy? And they're like, this, this stare of fear comes over them. Um, today's episode, we want to get and pick your brain on really what should people be considering when doing their own copy? What should they be considering when it's time to actually hire a copywriter like yourself? Um, and are there any tips that you can give along the way? So my first question to you is in your opinion, why is copy important in marketing? For sure. Yeah. So copywriting is important because when you think about everything we do from the text messages we send out every day, the emails we send out, you know, creating content on social media, like everything we do every day essentially is copywriting. You know, the ads you put out, you know, we were talking about before the podcast, you're doing Facebook ads, everything consists of copy. And then if you don't really understand the strategies and the theory that goes into writing that generates ROI and action, then everything you write every day, it might be just kind of, you know, subpar or normal. It's not going to get the results you want. So if you can really understand what good copy looks like, on one hand, you can actually write it yourself. And when I'm working with clients, you know, it might be like CMOs, marketing directors, people like that. Like you said, they're too busy and they don't really understand it. So that's why it's always good to outsource. But on the other hand, too, if you understand copywriting, when you do go to hire a copywriter, you actually know what a good job looks like. Because if you don't really grasp copywriting, someone can hand you pretty much anything and you'll think it looks good. So what would you say makes good copy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's so many things that goes into good copy. I would say... One is that it's emotional because it's proven that, you know, even upwards to about 90% of the purchasing process is going to be emotionally based. You know, we're normally buying something, a product or a service to experience some kind of feeling, get away from a pain point. And if the copywriter or yourself can really focus on the customer's pain point, the, you know, experiences they're trying to have, the pain point they're trying to move away from, then it's going to make them really harmonize with the ad they're going to resonate with it. They're going to see that you understand them and you clearly get them because you can write about it, but also you have some kind of product or service that's a solution. So whether you're writing it or you're hiring it, make sure that the copy is always really emotional based from the headline all the way into the body and the call to action. And that's another thing too, is copy needs to be very practical and it needs to push people to do something. So you need storytelling, you need to focus on features and benefits and whatnot, but all throughout the messaging, whether it's a short Facebook ad or like a 10,000 word sales letter, you need to make sure that you're telling the reader what to do next. You know, you can use something called future pacing, which is telling them that, you know, in this sales page, you're going to learn X, Y, Z. 
And then they know in the future of reading it, what they're going to get out of it. And then all throughout the sales page too, you could tell them that if you order this product, you're going to gain these benefits, these features. And then also with copywriting, really good copy also is measurable. So it's really common to just throw some copy on an ad, on a web page, and then you don't end up measuring it. And you, you know, you might see like revenue and conversions and have a general idea of how it did. But really what you need to do is make sure that you're setting up good tracking. It might be, you know, as simple as UTM links, which you can generate and then track through Google Analytics. You might use something like heat maps and Hotjar. But I would say overall, it's going to be very emotional. It's going to push people to take action, but also you're going to be able to, able to measure it, whether you do that yourself or ideally when you hire a writer, um, like in my case, if they do have the skill, then they can kind of set up all the tracking and analytics on your behalf too. Now, how important would you would you say that the consistency across different platforms? I know, you know, if you've you've written copy for a website or for a landing page, and then the the posts that go out, the ads that go out, I know that you know there should be you know a consistent tone and feel across that, so there's no disconnect. How do you take that on when you're when you're looking at working um, on someone's copy? Um, do you take different approaches to you know the web? versus or the website versus you know social or even scripting a video that they may have getting or maybe getting produced yeah you definitely have to adapt it to every channel like how you would talk maybe on facebook is going to be different than how you talk on instagram or twitter or when you're writing copy for like you said an email website TikTok, anything so when i'm working with a client one of the first things i always ask for because research is super important i'm gonna ask for their buyer persona their content guidelines, their branding guidelines. So I really want to understand personally, like how they like to present themselves to the world. And, you know, I want to see previous ads they've put out and then I kind of reverse engineer it and I understand their tone of voice, their personality, their attitude, and just how they present their brand and communicate to customers. And then um, whether that's documented or I have to kind of do some digging and, you know, make a document myself, I can pretty much start using that when I'm writing copy and always referencing back just to make sure I'm using the exact tone of voice, you know, certain words, even, you know, when I'm studying um, a certain client, I might just notice that they have patterns of certain phrases. Maybe they use, you know, certain adjectives to uh, describe their brand, like happy, playful, things like that. And then you can just always reference it while you're writing. But yeah, you do definitely have to adapt it to every channel. So maybe on LinkedIn, of course, you're going to be more professional and you're going to be more, you know, authoritative and practical with your content. But on something like, you know, Twitter, uh, TikTok or Facebook, it might be more casual and use a lot more, you know, casual, laid back, personal, almost like a friend speaking to a friend kind of copy. So I think it's very important to document it. Or if you're a copywriter yourself, make sure that you're doing the research or ask the client for those branding guidelines and then just adapt it to every single channel. That's a great, great advice there. Now, if somebody is listening and they, they, they want to up their game, they want to really, you know, go all in and market themselves online, you know, they may have written their own stuff on their website, what should they look at when it comes to actually hiring or finding a professional copywriter to work with? What are some of the things that, that they should consider? Yeah, I think one is to really niche down. So if you're maybe like a SaaS company, look specifically for SaaS copywriters. You know, if you're a startup, look for startup copywriters. If you're a lawyer, go find those legal writers because you can take, um, you know, someone who has worked in a lot of different niches and like they'll probably be very, very good. But it's always nice to find someone that's worked in your exact niche because then they understand your exact goals, your exact problems. They can study the competitors a bit better and they have that edge over the average copywriter, even if they're really good. So I'd always try to niche down. Um, and one of the best places to find people when you have niche down 
is this going to be a good Google search? You know, look for SaaS copywriter, you know, legal copywriter, startup copywriter. And a lot of the best writers, in my opinion, typically aren't going to be on the, um, like the freelance networks. They're going to have their own brand, their own website, their own social presence. And that's how you're probably going to find them. You can also go through your network as well. You know, most businesses will probably have in-house copywriters or have outsourced before. So you can kind of get that, you know, word of mouth or referral uh, train going and then find people that are really good that way. And then once you do find someone, you know, let's say you're on their website, you know, their social media, a big thing is you know, testimonials and case studies. It's always nice to see that someone has vouched for them and they're another business owner just like you and they're looking to hire somebody because you want to spend your money and you want to get, you know, your money's worth. So testimonials and those case studies are great because you get the social proof, but the case studies also show you down to, you know, the conversions, the revenue, the leads, exactly what they've generated for another business. So I'd always look for those as well or ask for them. Some writers don't have them just, you know, planted right on the website. You just have to shoot them an email and say, hey, do you have any case studies in our industry? And they'll probably give you some. And then also when you do begin working with them, I wouldn't just, you know, find them, throw in a contract and start working. It's always good to do some kind of onboarding and trial. And I think when a writer, you know, proposes this right away and that's a part of their onboarding, it says a lot about them. I think that's really professional and high end. It speaks to them. So when you do the onboarding and some kind of trial, you know, maybe you're just going to have them write a single web page, a single blog post, and just take note of everything. Like, how do they work? What's their communication like? Do you guys use a similar, you know, tech stack like Google Drive and Slack and Trello? Do you guys find that the communication isn't good, that, you know, it isn't really matching what they said they were going to do? You know, um, obviously, when you're on the sales call, discovery call as well, make sure you're asking them, like, asking them how much uh, they charge, how they like to work, what their deadlines are like, and deliverability. But, you know, make sure that overall you're niching down. You're definitely trying to find those case studies and testimonials so you know that they're as good as they say they are. And then when you actually begin working, just start with some kind of trial period, onboarding period. So you're not just signing a, you know, a big contract and you're locked in for something big and kind of see that, okay, you know what, our personalities and our workflow and everything matches first before we do some kind of big commitment. Now, what would somebody expect to invest when, when getting into to copywriting or getting a copywriter? I know that's probably a tough question, but how would they know that you know, they're getting a, uh, you know, a fair price? Yeah, for sure. So I think when it comes to something like, let's say the content writing side, um, which is like something like what I would do, that's normally just on a monthly basis, monthly retainer. You guys would map out like, okay, we're going to do four blog posts a month, one a week. They're going to have this kind of deliverables, SEOs included, so on and so on. And, you know, like you said, it's, it's, it's hard to say because it's based on the individual writer. But honestly, I think like most things in business, whether it's a writer, if you're hiring someone to design a website, you get what you pay for in a lot of cases. And, in, you know, in my case, not only as a copywriter, but someone that actually hires junior writers, um, I see it all the time. You know, if you want to hire for cheap, you're probably going to get someone that still has a lot of refining to do. Um, they're not going to be as good as someone that charges a premium. So for maybe content, if you're looking for someone good, you know, you're going to spend probably a couple thousand dollars a month, maybe like 2000 somewhere in that range on the minimum side, I think, for really good content. And then when it comes to the direct response copy, you know, getting those sales pages written, sales letters, emails, web pages, you're probably going to be paying, you know, at least, you know, two, three, four thousand just for like a single project. And once again, always ask like what they charge and how they like to work and use that as kind of an estimate. And, you know, there's a few different ways you can essentially get billed by a writer. You're going to have what I mentioned with the, the content monthly basis. So they're delivering X, Y, Z for you every single month. And then you have per project, which is normally when it's very defined. Maybe you need like a, you know, 10 page website written. 
with this many words per page and so on, then they'll probably just charge you like one fee, probably 50% upfront, 50% after, maybe 100% upfront in some cases. And then for something like editing um, or these projects where it's not super defined and you know you need to kind of define it as you go, then they'll probably charge it per hour. And I think for like an entry level copywriter, they might charge $25, $50 an hour. But don't be surprised if someone's billing you $100, $150 an hour because a lot of the times you're going to get an amazing ROI. And it goes back to what I was talking about with the measuring and the analytics. You don't want to just throw copy up on a website or an email. You want to make sure that you can measure it. So have your tracking good. Make sure you're tracking all of your goals in Google Analytics and have those set up. Make sure you have UTM links. Make sure you're using Google's Tag Manager, which lets you essentially tag buttons and links all over your funnel, assign them values. And then we kind of look at all of your analytics. It's like, okay, well, we can see how these pages generated X revenue. We got these conversions and click through with these pages and with these emails. And then you're actually able to see the ROI. But with something um, like content writing, it can be a bit more difficult and long-term because you know with SEO content, it's all about the long-term strategy, compounding traffic, compounding keywords. And with that, it's, it's a lot more difficult. You need, once again, kind of the UTM and everything. You're going to need a good funnel, lead magnets, and be able to track you know, from top, middle, and bottom of the funnel. How much traffic are we getting? How many leads is that generating for us? Presuming that the whether you have lead magnets or the um, the writer set the funnel up for you, and then how many you know like consultations or demos or trials are those converting into, and then having the actual value on those as well. So it really just takes a lot of tracking and analytics. So as a writer myself, it's always a blessing when this is set up for me. But it is something that I can set up too. A lot of writers will do it for you. But just make sure before you launch any kind of campaign, content or copy related, you do have those uh, analytics set up. It really helps out a lot. Well, Carmen, it's definitely clear that you know exactly what you're talking about. And, and obviously, you've been doing this for years. So just before we get near the end of the show, let's talk a bit about how you got into this. For sure. Where did your writing journey begin? Yeah, so I think like a lot of entrepreneurs can relate. Honestly, it goes back to childhood. You know, I was definitely the kid, um, you know, selling trading cards and candy. I was doing the lemonade stands. And even though like when you're that age, you can't really describe it as business. It was just you know, I love selling and just kind of working with people and just making money. So I think the entrepreneurial spirit started really young with me. And then as I got older, um, I was always really good at computers and tech. So then I started learning about digital marketing, making money online and it started to kind of hit me like, okay, you can actually do this and make money and make a living on the internet. And then that's when I started studying internet marketing in high school. And I started doing a bunch of different things. I was doing e-commerce with drop shipping um, and white label. I was doing affiliate marketing. Um, near like the end of high school, getting into college, and then of course freelance as well. And I was doing freelance writing, web design, social media, uh, kind of like I was talking about before, you know, I was a bit of a generalist. I was kind of just doing everything. And then once I got more into college, I actually decided to niche down, really focus on writing because it's just one, what I enjoy. I think it's super important to, you know, have a business every day that you look forward to and that you're excited to do because then that just makes your day-to-day -day life awesome but also you put more energy into the work and then your clients get more value and better results. And then I kind of cut out everything else. I just wanted to focus right on writing. And that's when I launched one of my first agencies and I've owned a couple of them. And then it wasn't until, you know, about two, three years ago that I completely pivoted to a personal brand. And I'm really happy I did that because it allows me to have um, a lot more relationships, deeper relationships with my clients. Um, I was really surprised by the amount of people that 
love working just with like a freelancer or someone that kind of has that freelance brand. They like to have the human connection, one-on-one -on -one connection with who they work with. And then when I doubled down on writing, you know, a lot of it was outreach and networking and, you know, doing a lot of inbound marketing. I love blogging. Uh, lately, I've been doing a lot of like podcasting and YouTube. I do a lot of guest authoring on big websites. Uh, recently, I put out an article on marketingprompts.com, which I was super stoked about. That was awesome. And then over time, I was like, okay, I'm able to work with Neil Patel, Dan Locke, Marketo, GoDaddy. And it was a really, you know, gradual, long-term compounding effect where I just got better and better by practicing writing, by getting better assignments, bigger clients. And then you do a good job, you deliver value, and then you're going to get really good referrals. And then in the case of copywriting, you know, there's not many really good copywriters out there. Um, there's not a lot of, you know, copywriters maybe in specific little niches like digital marketing. So when I got better and better, you know, people are referring me to bigger companies and other, you know, large organizations in the, the niche I'm in. And then it kind of compounded from there. And now, nowadays I'm doing, like I said, doing work for Dan Locke and Marketo. I do a lot of C-suite, Forbes, ghostwriting. Um, I have free and paid online courses that teach people how to write better and grow their own online writing business. But I would say that it honestly just, you know, started from childhood and I just kind of worked at it all throughout my life. And then lately I've been really doubling down on just the, the copywriting and content writing side. Well, that's, that's a great journey. I mean, that's, that's very inspirational to anyone, even if you're starting out in copywriting or even in business. Cause I mean, you, what you've told us is basically a business journey in there. And, and, you know, the part about, you know, transitioning from an agency brand to a personal brand, when you decided to do that, I want to ask you this, was there some hesitation about going that route or did you know that this was the route you needed to go? Yeah, I think I hesitated just a little bit because you kind of go from this more like corporate image and everything to pretty much everything's on you, you know, like you have to be completely transparent. It's your name, it's your face. Um, but in a way it's really good because it puts a lot of responsibility and accountability on your plate. Like you can't do anything wrong. You really have to deliver, you have to go above and beyond. You got to stick to your word and everything. And I think it just makes you take your reputation and everything more seriously. So at first, I definitely hesitated a little bit, but I'm, I'm really happy I did it because it's just opened up a lot of more uh, opportunities. You know, when people see my brand and it's, you know, my name, my face, they get that kind of human connection, deeper connection, especially when they end up working with me. And I've noticed um, kind of an interesting thing that my engagements tend to go a lot longer. I develop more friendships with the people I work with. So it's definitely paid off in the long term. And it's also opened up to more you know, public speaking opportunities. And I think it just makes sense when I'm like, you know, selling books or courses and things, it just makes a lot more sense to kind of sell it through me, not necessarily a company, but overall, I'm really happy I did it. Well, thank you for sharing your story, sharing the tips, talking about copywriting. Where can people find you if they want to talk to you or, or hire you for uh, doing some copy or training or whatever it is that they need help with? Yeah, honestly, the best way to find me and just learn more about what I do, get courses and whatnot is on my website, carmenmastropiero.com. But I'd more than love if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. I have a copywriting Facebook group you can join and ask questions, but those would be the best ways to find me right now. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. That was Carmen Master Piero. He's a professional copywriter based in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, if you're listening outside of our wonderful country. And uh, thanks for listening to this episode of the Content Amplification Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Content Amplification Podcast. If you have questions about how you can amplify your content strategy, go to amplifymycontent.com.